Are we recording? We're on. We're live. We're on. It's, it's happening. Adam, it's finally happening. We're on a podcast together. I'm so excited. Me too. I can't believe this is happening right here, right now. <laughs> Can you not? Because this no. is the third time we've tried to record this intro. Oh, it feels like the first time to me. It feels like I'm organic. I'm in the moment. I'm finally doing a cricket podcast with you, Tom. How the devil are you? <laughs> See, the problem, what you've done there is you remembered that the first thing I said to the guest who we haven't even introduced yet, I said, how the devil are you to him? Jesus, you did as well, yeah. This first episode of this podcast, and we are recording the intro about two weeks after the event. Um, we're learning. We're learning lessons all the time. Mm. Um, did you ever think you would do a cricket podcast, Adam? Honestly, no. Straight to the point. I admire your honesty. Um, but it's a joy to be doing it with you. I think, obviously, it's a couple of weeks since we talked to Tommy, who we will very swiftly cut to. Um, but I think it's a great opportunity to, um, you know, to talk to some lovely, lovely people, find out more about the game. I'm a big fan already and see if we can kind of get you on board as well. Yeah, I'd, particularly that last part of your sentence, I, I just saw this as a podcast about me that was cricket related. I almost said cricket adjacent, which I believe is another thing that we touched upon in the episode. The word uh, wormhole adjacent came up quite early on, and you can hear the panic in my voice very soon um, when that phrase got mentioned because I thought I was on a cricket podcast and not in some strange strange netherworld. But yeah, it's, it's going to be quite the journey. I am more than willing to take on the advice and input and knowledge of the wide cricket community. You seem like a really friendly bunch. If if you're a part mm-hmm. of it, Tom, then I'm, I am willing to engage. Ready, I'm willing. But, um, but as it stands, there's a very famous cod reggae song that does a lot of the talking for me, that I don't like cricket. And, um, and that's where it ends in my book. <laughs> so it's an ellipsis. I, I need to be wooed. I need to be wooed by the old wood. Is that is that what cricket's called? Something about a willow, willow or a wood? Sure. So, yeah. Um, I mean, to quote another famous kind of song of our times, Natasha Benningfield, uh, "The rest is still unwritten." Mm. Um, so, really, this is the start of a journey for you. Um, we've really just dived into quite a chaotic opening to this podcast without even um, discussing the concept as such. Um, but basically, I think every now and then we'll meet up, we'll have a chat with someone different from the cricketing world, someone who comes at the sport from a different angle, who um, has a different reason for loving the game, have a bit of an explore about why they feel the things they do about cricket, how they got into it in the first place. And maybe, just maybe, um, you'll finish the podcast where I'm starting it from, which is um, in a place that I would describe as... Uh, I'm a I'm a cricketing badger novice, I think. A cricket badger being, you know, somebody who's properly... They live and breathe the game. They can tell you an Ashes winning team from 1973 or something. Um, I'm, I'm not quite there. But I do love it. And I think, knowing you as I do, I think you could love it too. Yeah, it it sort of sounded fun for a moment there. Um, and then 
<laughs> and then it got a little a little convoluted and complicated. But yeah, to to quote Natasha Bedingfield once again, um, we can open up that dirty window together and um, feel <laughs> cricketing rain on our skin as we as we learn learn about each other as well as, as well as um, the beautiful game which again cricket is not the beautiful game and we spoke about football a lot in this episode as well it's worth saying that that is a a shared passion and I slightly derailed the conversation at times um to go into my my happy place um but let's 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 find a new sport for me to 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 gain passion for gain passion that's what this is about as as an Everton fan you might you know you maybe could do with a new sport as well to get your teeth into um Given the chaotic nature of this intro, I think it's best that we go to somebody with a kind of good cricketing podcast experience who knows what they're doing um, and swiftly segue to the chat that we had with Tommy Stewart um, two weeks ago. Tommy Stewart, how the devil are you? I'm good, mate. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on Why Cricket, Tom. How are you? I'm all right. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on um, on the first episode, the f- first guest on the first episode. I know, bloody hell! What a compliment. <laughs> I know you type for like Felix White or someone, and and this is this is where you got to. So uh, <laughs> I'm happy nonetheless. <laughs> Well, you say that. I, th- I think when we first kind of came up with the concept for this, you were very high up the list because we kind of want to explore why people are interested in cricket, what keeps bringing them back to cricket, but also kind of look deeper into the sliding doors moment that Adam and I must have had at some point. Because despite being good friends, something happened in my life that put me on the cricket path and the very same didn't happen to Adam. Um, and to be perfectly honest, if I made a dating profile for both of you, I think it would look pretty similar. <laughs> wow. Well, creative men with podcast experience. Yes. Um, musicians, very capable of strong facial hair choices. <laughs> um, but you went down the cricket wormhole, and I think, Adam, at this point, it's probably wormhole adjacent. Yeah, I like, that's how I like to sort of tell people where I'm at. Um, but yeah. W- w- wormhole adjacent. Sounds Hello, right. Yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, so I think it's should probably start off with what could be a very big question, Tommy. But why cricket? What what keeps bringing you back to the game? Why cricket? Okay. Well, first of all, I think to reference the great cricketer, <clears throat> another great cricket podcast. Uh, they. They always say safety, but they're spe- they're specifically referencing the Australian, <clears throat> excuse me, the Australian, the great Australian cricket team of the nineties and the early two thousands. But uh, with with England, I suppose up until now, up until the past sort of five or six years, especially obviously the white ball team winning two World Cups, um, it isn't safety with England. But I think there's safety in like the smells, the atmosphere, the the sort of the humdrum murmur, whether there's like 50 people at a match, whether there's 25,000 people there. Um, and I, I think for me, and I think this is the same for a lot of people, may, maybe not for everyone, but for me, a big part of it is 
like the relationship with my dad and how it was I always remember him saying because I, I was into I was like mad into football mad into cricket when I was growing up um and all my family like my brothers and my dad were all like massively into sport as well but I always remember him saying that cricket is like test cricket specifically is is the best sport to be honest I don't know if he thinks that anymore he loved rugby <laughs> but he was always too scared to play it like he's a bit of a wuss but That's he was enough. <laughs> yeah yeah oh yeah well I I broke my arm playing rugby when I was 15 and never touched a rugby ball since. Um, <laughs> and apparently they used to use me. My brother said the year after, after I'd left the school, I think I was in year 10, he was a couple of years below me, but they used me as an example of how to not pick up a ball from a scrum because apparently it was my own fault that I broke my arm. <clears throat> but so that one looks like, that's fair. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> The less said about rugby, the better. But yeah, it, it's always bonded me and my dad. I've got so many pictures of like me in like an England one day shirt, the, the classic Vodafone one that I always remember Darren Goff wearing um, in the 90s and early 2000s. And yeah, it's just, it relaxes me. When I, I, I wrote an article about this for the Metro back in 2019 and I went on Five Live to talk about it and when I had a really bad breakup and I was, I was going through some really rough times, mental health wise, for some reason it was like, I'd always been into cricket and, you know, at uni I'd stay up and watch the ashes in Australia. Like when, and it was almost like I was um, hiding my sexuality or something. Like it's, I was at uni, you're trying to impress people. And I just didn't think anyone would think it was cool, which, which they wouldn't have, let, let's face it. But I, so I was always keeping an eye on it. But in 2019, I, I proper fully immersed myself back into it and started playing again and, you know, became a member of Lancashire again. And so, yeah, it's just always, it's kind of like a backbone. It's like a safety blanket that's just always, always there when you need it, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think that makes perfect sense. I, I think, because I, I was thinking the other day about my relationship with um with football and how that kind of developed and that was definitely definitely through my relationship with my dad but cricket was a bit more of a kind of a journey of self-discovery in a way that I've kind of gone on and I, I think you know what you were saying about when you're going through a really tough time when um especially since I've started working at home in the past two years it's been such a good way of kind of like plotting out your day yes 100 percent. yeah because there's always there's always cricket going on, isn't there? At the moment, like the the last, I feel like it's, you know, we've had how many like what since the pandemic we've had two T Twenty World Cups, um, we've had the women's T uh, Twenty World Cup recently, and now there's all these growing leagues and all these short like T Twenty leagues, etc. South Africa and and Dubai or whatever. So there's just always some. Like, and it's a great thing to just have on mute. Like, it, it's a great thing to just, because I sit here and the TV's there. I work from here. I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I work from home, like exclusively now, pretty much. And it's just nice to have it there in the background. Like, and you know, it's just sort of simmering on. Even, even last night, I, you know, fell asleep to it. So, yeah. I, See, def- I, I, do, I do that with homes on the hammer now, but um, <laughs> that's, that's obviously. <laughs> That's comforting, but it can be a bit stressful seeing 
50 on Dublin in Stafford again. Um, does, it, does that mean you... So you fall asleep to it, are you saying? No, no I, I really don't. I mean, at, at 11am <laughs> I fall asleep. Fuck off. <laughs> I was going to say... It's Wait even, for repeats. <laughs> it was even funnier, the implication that, yeah. you, that you go on iPlayer before you go to bed and you're like... Oh, what's yeah. good stuff on there? There's people just do nothing. There's uh, maps of the day. No, you know what? I'm going to stick on. Uh, I'm going to go I'm... back through the archives and, and <laughs> see. <laughs> see see our property price in 2014 were as opposed to now. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, having having worked with Tom in his previous job role, which which we're both now part of, so obviously uh, we're we're off for record. Um, I remember you, you'd sometimes come in and say, "Oh yeah, I've been I've been up since five watching." something and i'd hear names of teams and go oh, okay <laughs> it was it was it was very alien to me but it was it was something that you could obviously as you say do within your day as part of your working day as a sort mm. of comforting background murmur um yeah which which, which sounds nice I, I i can i can i can vibe with that that's uh <laughs> Am I I like, like a dab down <laughs> in the first eight minutes i'm, I'm already winning you over <laughs> <laughs> It might, it might have been Darren Goff and Vodafone and sort of tell you. <laughs> <laughs> you just down that alley. That hair transplant he's had. Can't blame you. Yeah, that's, that's how I know his work. I didn't, I didn't realise he was a cricketer until <laughs> just this conversation. <laughs> I think, I mean, there's definitely that kind of comfort in like the, the humdrum and just the general like noise and chatter that you hear around whether it's cricket commentary on the radio, you've got it on TV, but in terms of getting into that as a neutral, I don't know whether you need some kind of big moment that ties you to it. Um, and yeah. like talking about like links to family and how family can get you into sport. Obviously, Adam, you're a big Everton fan and you, you know, your dad's an Everton fan, your sister's an Everton fan. Sorry Is, to hear was, that, mate. Yeah, it's the opposite of comfort. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. think... I think that is that is usually a neat way in, but then I guess talking about those big events, I guess as a kid, before that kind of familial connection takes over, as a, as a football fan, you tended to have, I mean, for myself, like you're ninety six, being sort of six, seven years old, and everyone's playing in the playground. But there's for me, there's not really been that kind of watershed cricket moment yet in my life. Um, did you watch the 2005 Ashes? Do you remember that being on? I don't, no. know. I don't remember it being on, no. Because um, that's the one that, like, it, I tend to, if I'm asking people about cricket, or um, that's the one that everyone seems to have remembered mm. or watched. Yeah, I feel like maybe maybe I just sort of, maybe, maybe it's too late. I was too far gone. I would have been, what, 16, so... You would have been following whoever. I'm trying to think who Everton would have signed in 2005. You probably would be following that the transfer rumours. We, we we didn't really buy a lot of people back then. It's sort of it's gone full circle in my. In my we, we, That's the noisy era, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, probably like Pistoni or someone like that. Um, oh, yeah, oh, maybe Kevin Kilban, someone like that. Um, oh. So I'm just ruining my cricket podcast already. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Mark Dewey. I know two left backs who, who play forever. But... <laughs> Me and Mark do that all the time with Murley. And like once we had a guest on, it, it was, um, God, I should really remember his name. It was an Australian uh, cricket journalist, like quite a well-regarded one. And we, we made a football comparison in the podcast. And he's like, 
Mate, why are you doing that? People aren't listening to this for fucking football, mate. This is for uh, people listening to this and listening for cricket. And he's like, I listened to one of your other episodes and you did it there. And I was like, oh. <laughs> it's relatable, isn't it? You can yeah. you can draw lines between football and cricket. Absolutely. And that was a solid Tim Kale, so I really appreciate that as well. <laughs> <laughs> You definitely can draw lines between them, but I think it's interesting what you said, Tommy, about cricket being something that you felt you almost had to hide. Yeah, yeah. Well, it it wasn't like, I don't know, I guess it's not sort of, um, it's not complementary to university lifestyle other than when. So I, I, I was at uni 2009 to 2012. Um, so that great England team when they got number one in the world and they won that Ashes series away from home. I will have watched a lot of that. Um, and luckily, you know, with the time difference with cricket in Australia, ironically being, being awake till four or 5am and sleeping in, it was actually quite suited that, that the cricket thing, but I just didn't, I don't think I ever, not in my memory anyway. I don't think I ever had a conversation about cricket at uni. And, like, I, I guess a part of it is age. Like, I don't know about you guys, but the older you like, – I am I was 33 on Saturday, and I've got to the point where I just I, – I don't care really about, like, how I look or how I'm perceived, what I wear. Like, oh, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> it's an audio medium, but <laughs> – It was a gesture. But... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the the older you get, the less you can, and you. I I find you go back to, like I I've I've started reading the past couple of years. I've started just reading books, like just consuming books again, like I did when I was a kid. And I think you sort of just go back to those, sort of not even primal instincts, just just the stuff that you love, like the things that you found fun as a kid, and that's what I find with everything as I'm getting older. And I I don't know why, like it was in. I don't know why during that breakup and like basically mental breakdown I had in 2019 that cricket was just the thing that like obviously and it was a good year to get like fully back immersed into it because obviously the, oh for sure yeah yeah the World Cup win and um, I think I maybe I got the job on Tailenders that year as well so so a, a part of it was you know just getting back into it for my job and for work and then I was like, I, I just remembered everything. I, I just remember, it all came back to me why I loved it and why I I, I was annoyed at myself, to be honest, because I was like, rather than playing seven aside and five aside to a very poor level for the past 10 years and like knocking about different groups and just trying to get a game here and there, I could have been playing cricket, which I find a lot less stressful. I'm better at it. <laughs> like we all like to do things we're actually like okay at. I'm not... I'm not great, but I'm definitely better than I am at football. Um, but, you know, at, at least cricket's a game that you can sort of play till you're in your 50s, I, I guess. So I've, I've always got it now. Yeah. It's, it's, it, the thing about, like obviously, you mentioned at uni, I kind of had a similar experience in secondary school. But I think, obviously, it's quite a formative time you're trying to kind of form an identity for yourself and say, this is who I am. And I was also at the time quite into football, but also into uh music and i was in a very i don't want to say 
average, but we thought we were the strokes and we weren't the strokes um, <laughs> kind of band. Um, the words of Alex Turner, I just wanted to be one of the strokes. Exactly. I've got that, I've got that artwork somewhere in this house. Um, Great. But um, yeah, it's kind of dueling identities really, or, or to some extent with cricket, Cricket wasn't really really an identity. That you can be in the playground, you can be in the the canteen in sixth form or secondary school, and be oh you're one of the indie kids that's into bands. But there's, there aren't any tables of cricket kids. No, no, there's not, is there? And I, I feel like there should be. And I, I'm finding it. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm finding it now because <clears throat> one 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 of the sad things I find with cricket. Even though the game's expanding and the, the TV deals are massive, like with, with I think the um, the IPL, the latest IPL TV deal is actually bigger than the Premier League one, um, which is crazy. But then I play cricket with uh, a load of Pakistani blokes and their kids, like, and I've you know I've seen their kids grown over the past three years or so, and they're even getting less and less into cricket and they want to bring a football to kick around on the side of the pitch. And then my nephews, when they were around, when they were around four or five, I've got four, four nephews, five nephews, fucking hell. Um, (laughs) 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 Excuse me. But um, yeah. And when they were three or four, and I I don't know if it's just like they're amazed by everything and, and they're sort of, want to impress their their weird bald uncle with a moustache or or whatever or, or find him intimidating who knows um <laughs> they uh they they seem to love it and they seem to sort of be very happy to just you know throw a ball or or hit a ball if i you know i give them a few underarms with a tennis ball or whatever i bought them all cricket well one of them's too old now he's he's like i think it's too late for him in, to get into cricket he's 11 he loves Man United. He loves. So I think you've got no chance now. I know. Yeah. Like yeah. Twenty-two years, years too late. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, we will try. We will try. But yeah. you're old enough now to appreciate. But he's at that age that that you were talking about, Tom. That formative age, where he's gone to. He's in year seven. He's getting into girls. He's getting into clothes. He's getting into music, and cricket is no part of that. Whereas football is. Like and, uh, mm. I. It, it's difficult to explain why. I, I guess we kind of know why there's a lot of sort of, you know, the very sort of dated, we, as much as we want to, okay, a better way of saying it is if I ask him if he knows a cricketer or if I say, do you know who Ben Stokes is or Jimmy Anderson, even the most famous cricketers, he doesn't have a clue. And the younger ones, like I was saying, when they were younger, they were into it and then they get to six, seven, eight and they just get more into football or more into games, etc. Mm. So I don't know. I, I think a fundamental problem with it is that it's quite complicated, even though it, it shouldn't be. And we overcome as cricket fans and cricket journalists like myself, we do overcomplicate it and it just needs to be simplified. And I guess that's what the hundred is there for. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think that's one of the funny things, isn't it? Because the I can't remember who said it or where I read it, but there's the, the quote that no other sport talks about itself to itself as much as cricket. <laughs> yeah. Um which I think is sums it up perfectly. 
Um, but I also think once once you are into it, the kind of idiosyncrasies and the kind of all the little bits that even people who are into it can't explain to each other become part of the charm. But it is also a barrier to new people getting involved. Um, yeah. It's quite gatekeepy. It is quite gatekeepy. Mm. Um, what what do you how do you find that uh, Adam? Like what what what's the what do you think the main stumbling block is for you in in terms of getting into it? I mean, the fact that the easy way in is called the 100. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's a little intimidating. It's a big number to start at. Um, and then for cricket, that's a small number, you know. Yeah. But, so there you go. I mean, I, I, I do. it's funny hearing about your, your nephews playing it. I do remember enjoying it as a kid in that school setting. Uh, quick cricket, spelt wrong, annoying me at the time, still does. But yes that that was that was that seemed more accessible and running around and and being a kind of participant in it i guess made sense i i couldn't pinpoint the moment that that sort of dropped off for me and it's interesting as well that you you speak about naming a footballer there is that kind of and it's it's a stereotype and i'm and i'm sure there are huge characters within cricket um some of them go on to present top gear and the like, but <laughs> who who have that charisma. But footballers at that time to me, all I wanted to do was be that footballer on the playground, whereas I wasn't, I mean, I don't know who would have been a relevant cricketer for me at the time. Nasu Hussain, uh, yeah. Ian yeah. Botham, they're my two. Uh, <laughs> Darren Goff. Yeah. Um, Darren Goff for the hairline. Um <laughs> I'd say th- those were my reference points, and whereas with football, I could, you know, I could be Duncan Ferguson and get expelled. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think there was maybe more of a, a sort of, in 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 the same way that parents would say footballers make terrible role models. As a kid, that was there was that kind of desire to ape their personality and and their, you know, maybe part of that's technique and maybe part of that's just sheer exposure because we'd watch match of the day and we we have football in in a way that sport was consumed in a different way back then it was still pretty traditional whereas now like you say you can you can find cricket whenever you want it it's available to anyone um so maybe that has changed it but i do think that that early fun and getting to where you guys are now to the point where Tom, you sound a bit like Brian Cox talking about space with like idiosyncrasies. And I was, I, I, I was taken in. I was, I was into it. I was like, that's, that's really, that sounds really cool and exciting, but also so beyond my realm of understanding, but I kind of go, oh, cool. We're just going to look at my phone then. Uh, <laughs> it's too much. So there's, th- th- there will, there will be, there will be that point in the middle where you can maybe sort of stop someone going going down the path that I did and just sort of looking the other way. Um have you ever been to the cricket? Have you have you ever been with Tom or no I've not. That that's episode five I think. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well I I, th- I think that's I think that's a great way and mm. like um, when me and my girlfriend would like I, I think within about three or four months of of going out with each other I took her to the cricket and it, it wasn't like she fell in love with it or anything but she got it she was yep. like right now I get why you love it I, I get why you 
you work in it and and you're kind of immersed in it and i get the main thing i suppose like I get why it relaxes you <laughs> as opposed to yeah, football. I think the main thing you need um, to enjoy a day at the cricket is an interesting picnics as well. Um, yeah. If you've got, if you've got that nailed down, you, you, you're laughing. Yeah. I think also um, we can't really ignore the fact that it is a great time to get into um, the uh, England men's test team. And oh, Adam yeah. and I, oh, hitting my microphone adam and i um kind of texted this morning and i said oh you know there have been some developments um over the well over the weekend in the women's world cup uh but also in the um england new zealand uh, series which obviously culminated this this morning um he asked if you should do some research um i said no we'll try and give you a little summary so uh, if if there is a way of explaining what what exactly happened in the last five days, Tony. Okay, where would you yeah. start? In layman's terms, right? Let's 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 think about it. Okay, so um... there's a bat and a ball. <laughs> <laughs> right, twenty-two bogs. There's some grass. <laughs> it was great. There was a lot of beer. Uh, no, so oh God, it's so I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, do you know about the the New England coach and captain uh, Adam, like Brendan McCullen? Okay, so Brendan McCullen, <clears throat> I think this will add like a nice sense of <clears throat> a nice sense of drama and storytelling to it. Brendan McCullen is a Kiwi. He's from New Zealand. England are currently touring New Zealand. Since Brendan McCullen has took over the England cricket, England men's test team. Uh, they have pretty much destroyed everyone in their path in a way that I would compare. Um, I've been saying this quite a lot lately, but the only thing I can compare it to in terms of shaking up and almost reprogramming a whole sport is when Pep Guardiola came in at Barcelona. Mm. Sorry to, for the football analogy again, but what happened then was... I mean, I, I was obsessed with Pep Guardiola before he became Manchester City's manager, and now I despise him, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Principle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and football is pathetic, and we have short memories in, in that sport, which is, you know, part of the I reason. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, what he's done is, is it's kind of unseen, unheard of. It's like attacking cricket, and they're playing basically... England's strengths are short ball cricket. We've got loads of big hitters. And what we've done is that's kind of transpired. It, I mean, it's almost glaring us in the face all along, but it's like, why not Why not play the test game, the long game, the traditional game in this non-traditional way where we just go out and whack the ball. If we lose, we lose. If we get out, we get out, which has just led to some really exciting cricket. Uh, I say really, that, I didn't sound excited enough. It's led to like the most revolutionary, incredible Pep Guardiola-esque attacking cricket that has never been seen. They've kind of, kind of rewrote all the rule books. And then, um, so we've, I think they've won, before this test, they've won 10 out of 11 tests in the, in the past, less than a year since Brendan McCullens took over. Um, and this test particular, it was two in and throw in. I'm not even going to bother explaining following on because uh, no, that, that's... That's even over we'll get there. We'll get there. my head sometimes, like the way it's employed and stuff. But basically, it got to the final day, um, and England needed 
what looked like too much to win. So what was it, Tom? About two two eight eight, I think we were chasing. Mm, that's about right. Or two five five. I don't know. I remember it being two numbers, yeah. but anyway, it was a lot. Um England were getting bowled out, weren't doing very well, and until Joe Root and the captain Ben Stokes, probably our two best players, certainly with the bat took over, got England back into a winning position to the extent where you're like, oh my God, they're going to do this again. Um, this is Brendan McCullough Basball, as people call it, because his nickname's Baz. Nice. And then it got to, um, so they, they needed about 60, 50, 50, 60 runs to win. Ben Stokes gets out. Um, we've got one good batter left. The rest are bowlers who aren't very good at batting. Uh, so then it's, it's Joe Root and Ben Folks, who are both very good batters. Joe Root gets out on 95, just missing out on his century. And then we're left to the bowlers and Ben Folks. Ben Folks then gets out and then we're left only to the bowlers. And basically it goes right to the wire. And uh, England, who look like they're about to win with our two worst, uh, two, two bowlers who are not very good batters, one of them, my friend, Jimmy Anderson. And... <laughs> Just throw that in there. <laughs> yeah, not really friends. A bloke I've met five times. But um and uh it gets down to them. It's just like it kept tossing and turning for the whole five days, basically. And in New Zealand won. They got Jimmy Anderson out with England only needing one run to win. So wow. about so there's about six, seven hundred runs scored by so there's like twelve, fourteen hundred runs. Accumulatively over the past few days, and England lost by one run, which I think has only happened, or two runs, one run, two runs. It's only happened like this is like the second time in the sport or something. It's it's happened. Oh, okay. There you go. There's a summary. It was longer that's, than that's, I. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah. Thank you. I'm quite impressed with myself. You yeah. did very well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, th I think it's, I can't tell whether it's kind of endearing and whether it kind of gets people excited about it that the idea of a game lasting five days and scoring you know over a thousand runs and it coming down to one run or whether it's just like off-putting it, it off-putting on these people saying like thinking oh well it's all a bit pointless wasn't it i don't like, man to ask i suppose yeah uh, i mean <sighs> the, f the the five day thing i mean I'm, I'm talking in very generalized terms here but obviously five days of exhilarating if if this is high octane cricket that was very entertaining to watch high octane of any sport then i can i can buy into that and find margins that's always exciting um i guess yeah if i was taking a step back and i was thinking do do, do i do i now in my life buy into a working week as a spectator <laughs> That's 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 a bit trickier, but I can imagine as as two people who, and obviously lots of us, who are really invested in what's happening. That's great. That's like more of what you enjoy, and it's been taken to the wire. So, I can, do you I can, I can do you find like the the T twenty like the three or four hour? If you were to go to a cricket game, do you think you'd rather go to like one day of a good Test match between like England, let's say an Ashes Test match? between England and Australia, or would you prefer to go to, like, a T20 where it lasts, like, the whole, you know, it's a Friday night and it's three or four hours? You get a result. 
and you get a result, yeah. I mean, the, the result side of it, because I've not really got a horse in the race, um, I guess I guess that's less important to me. I mean, I think for, for me, I guess the only comparison I have would be as, say, an English person going to watch baseball in the US, which obviously there's not really the option of a kind of shorter game, but like having that the experience would come first for me as opposed to result. So yeah, if there was yeah. exciting things to watch and it was done at a certain pace, whether that was over a whole day or just a whole evening, I guess I guess the the end result wouldn't really matter much to me. But I guess if I was on the flip side of that, if I was sat on day three and not a lot was happening and I'd sort of leave it and go, okay, well, there's another two days of this. Yeah. I, I might check on it. <laughs> <laughs> might <laughs> in the operative word <laughs> yeah and it just it's just a thing that happened like going to watch like an amdram performance that one of your neighbors is in <laughs> uh, that would be that yeah that, that that side of it doesn't appeal to me as much but but it it would be interesting because it's a sport that I'm you know I played when very young and sort of aware of some of the rules. If someone said to me, "This is how it should be played," this is the, as you say, the kind of Pep Guardiola, the total football of cricket, total cricket, that'd work, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> how it should be done. It's really exciting. Um, it's it's gung ho. It's high adrenaline. That would be interesting to see. Because my experience of it, even if other people have been actively engaged with it, is is as kind of the passive activity that you described earlier, where it's sort of just something there, a bit like sort of other sports are for me at certain times. You know, if if the snooker's on, sorry, <laughs> it's just the same, isn't it? It's just balls and sticks, isn't it? So it's just the same. Balls and work. <laughs> snooker's great though. I, I'm not yeah, that. Yeah. I don't sit down and watch it, but I, I like, I, uh, I, I do always say to people like, surely Ronnie O'Sullivan has to be <clears throat> not just on, on, well, I mean, skill and talent and ability. Like he's arguably the greatest sports person Britain's ever produced, but on, like we were talking about before with, um, you know, Freddie Flintoff or, you know, there's a surplus in football, especially in the nineties, of great characters, Eric Cantona, Roy Keane for me, as a Manchester United fan. Um, <clears throat> but Ronnie O'Sullivan, like, oh my god, like sometimes one person can sell a sport. I suppose, absolutely, yeah, mm. yeah. I had my first experience of seeing live snooker a couple of months back, and we it just so happened to be on the day that Ronnie O'Sullivan was playing, um, yeah. and to, it is kind of magical. I, I think snooker similar to cricket has that kind of hip, slightly hypnotic soporific quality where it, yeah. you just kind of it draws you in and you find yourself in a bit of a stupor um just kind of yeah. watching it um in terms of maybe maybe the shorter format of the game being a weigh-in for adam um something else that's happened in the cricket world last few days uh australia's women winning the um t20 world cup again um i'll just give you a rundown of what they've been up to in the last few years um they've won six of eight t20 world cups 
since 2018 have won three uh, T20 World Cups, one ODI World Cup and the Commonwealth Games. Um, Their ODI team, so that's One Day International, Adam, um, had a um, 26-game winning streak, um, which is immense. Talking about Ronnie O'Sullivan kind of like dominating a sport, um, it is immense. Is there a point where that becomes a bit boring? To me or to Adam? Well, both, I guess. I mean, is there a point where a, a dominance goes less from being impressive and more to just being a little bit predictable? And is it actually good for the game? I, I, I think <clears throat> the only people who enjoy that sort of dominance, and I know as a Man United fan, is the fans of that team. For everyone else, <laughs> for everyone else, it's it's awful. It's boring. And um, but <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. Um, yeah, it's they're they're ridiculous, aren't they? And I I saw someone say, I saw someone say on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, but I can't remember if it was just someone I knew or a cricket journalist, but someone said the gaps shortening. It might have been one of the players actually, one of the women's cricket players. And I was like, yeah, but is it? They won again. And as soon as like as soon as players retire from that team, it seems like they have a backstock of players ready, like Talia McGrath, like coming in mm-hmm. in the past couple of years. And then she looks better than what came before her. So obviously England women won the World Cup in was that twenty seventeen? Was it seventeen? Twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. Yeah, around then. Yeah. Um, and that was an anomaly, really. And, I mean, it's incredible that they achieved it, but I find it personally boring. But like I, like I said just now, I'm, I'm probably a bit of a hypocrite because I, was, I, was, I grew up a Man United fan in the 90s and 2000s where me, me and my brother say about this, actually, and I'm sure... The, the good, I suppose, the good thing for the neutral or for fans of other team with with the United thing is that it ended, and I guess there's always the hope that great dynasties come to an end. But I just can't see that happening right now mm. with the Australian women's cricket team. And I don't know if that's because I would have thought I I don't know the facts and figures on it. I would have thought India and England, who are you know like the men in the men's game, the other two contenders, you know that they are the the big three. I would have thought the, the funding, especially with India, is similar, if not may, maybe more money being pumped into it. So I don't know if it's just something in the genes or, or if it's just a crop of the last ten years they've just been producing incredible player after incredible player. Um, but I, I I can't see it coming to an end anytime soon, but it, it probably will because that happens in sport. It kind of moves in cycles. And the women's game probably before this great Australian team wasn't like, you know, I'm as guilty as anyone. It wasn't known by many people. Like as mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. I don't know many women's cricketers before 2010. And it just so happens that the great era of women's cricket, where it's really come into the fore and there's big crowds for it, that sadly it's the Australians <laughs> who are on top. Is is there a constant presence within that team that's kind of is there a, is there an Alec Ferguson for want of a better 
comparison is there a, a, a consistent coach or well, no because they the, the thing is we nabbed england's uh england men's white ball team nabbed their their coach matthew mott and he's he's done great things england won the t england men's won the t20 world cup at the end later part of last year so they've i don't know how many do you know how many coaches they've had tom in that time it, it wasn't matthew mott the whole time i don't think so um, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. I, but I, think, I think no. I think it's more the players, and that and that's probably a general rule about cricket. Like the players are more important. So yeah, they, they've had a, they've had a great core of players, and then like I said before, with with the likes of McGrath mm-hmm. coming in, sort of just you know, football manager like regens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think it also speaks to something just kind of very Australian. They're just ruthless, and that kind of mentality yeah. is just it that, seeps into everything they do. Yeah, and I I respect it so much massively. Like in hindsight, the great Australian team of the nineties and two thousands, because uh, I grew up watching them, and I I I hated them. I hated them as as much as I hated mm-hmm. Liverpool or Manchester City or Leeds. I hated them that much, but now in hindsight, I look back and I, I, I just like I have nothing but respect for them, and, and a lot of them are pretty nice blokes, and I can happily watch a documentary about them now in hindsight. Um, it's the same with Luis Suarez in football; like I, I despised <laughs> him, despised that man. But then when he left for Barcelona, I was like, I mean, he is he's mint. <laughs> he's so good. <laughs> <clears throat> I, I, won't go, I won't go that far with you, but yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> but I, I agree, though, there's that once there's that removal when someone stops being a direct competitor or, or the, the barrier between you and success, um, it's, yeah, you can start to appreciate them and and, and see kind of, yeah, who's world class. Um, yeah, yeah, you I, don't admit it. It's very reluctant. Yeah. But, yeah, as, as as an Everton fan in the nineties watching Manchester United, it was it was difficult. Um, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be difficult for the next ten years for everyone else. That's well, long. Exactly. <laughs> um, now, Tommy, we can't let you go without um, talking about church party. Oh, bless um, you. Because. Uh, We've got a couple of new singles out. Um, back in the room, yeah, banging in it. That's great. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, what's what's the story with that? Are you, yeah. So the story with Church Party was um, it's good actually because what I've been doing today, when I should have been doing like my usual work as a freelancer instead of just been uh, emailing record labels and then finding all the people on Twitter and Instagram who I've, I, I said to my bandmate, I said to the lads in like the, the WhatsApp chat, I was like me being a fucking idiot on social media for the past 10 years has finally paid off. Cause I've got, <laughs> like, there's one, one of my mates who I've, I've not seen him in a couple of years, but um, I met him through, uh, through, a former friend of mine he used to go out with, I won't go into that, but anyway, he used to be a music journalist and he loved the church party. And I went on his profile today and then I saw he works at, uh, I knew he worked for a record label, 
And my brother really wants to try and get us on Dirty Hit, which uh, 1975 and Wolf Alice are on. Hmm. I think it's the 1975's label. And he works for Dirty Hit. So I messaged him before and he was like, oh, yeah, send it over, man. Like, we'll, we'll have a listen in the office. Um, that's not to say we're getting signed by Dirty Hit. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> I wish. We'll see. You never know. You never know. But, um, yeah, like, so we, we were banned from 2014 to 2016. Um, we split up because not for any reason, we didn't fall out. We we remained friends throughout like the sort of fallow years. And then I stopped drinking in 2021, you know, went sober, stopped drinking and doing drugs. And I picked up a guitar again for like, I think I was just bitter about, I just, I was in some bands and like, this was always the one I loved the most. Cause it was, it was the one where. I, it was the music I wanted to make. I've been in other bands that were more successful where I was a bass player and we were signed and stuff like that. But yeah, when I started picking up the guitar again, after it had just been gathering dust, then I, I just started writing songs again. And the whole, you know, the whole wild man myth of needing inebriation to create great art or songwriting is, is bullshit because I built up so many experiences through addiction that, that like, I, I can still draw from them. I can still write about those sort of things. And, um, so yeah, we, we were like, let's do it properly this time. If we're going to do it, let's not do it half ass. Let's, let's not self-produce because when we used to produce it ourselves, we would, we, we went way over the top. We'd have like 46 guitar layers, like, you know, <laughs> like just, that's cocaine for you, as Noel Gallagher said. With, uh, <laughs> with um, <laughs> sorry about that, you can edit that out. But no. as as Noel Gallagher said, I think with, it's in the public public domain. That so yeah, <laughs> <You're okay>. yeah, <laughs> another <it's> scoop. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Man from nineties does drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think Noel Gallagher said the same thing with when he made Be Here Now, and he was like, you know, those first two albums were so good, and that one was just sort of self-indulgent and very, like, cocaine-y sort of thing. Um, and I, I think we went through that because we had no one sort of telling us when to stop and when to take things out. So anyway, we got an guy, Bob Cooper, who's a good mate, and he's a really good producer. He's done some produced some great bands over the years. And we just, you know, paid money, went and stayed over, did it properly. Um, you know, written about 10, 15 songs in, in probably less than a year, that, which is probably the amount we wrote in like, you know, three years last time. And yeah, so now we, we put it on, we haven't put it on Spotify or anything yet. We just uploaded it to Amazing Radio. And I think they played between the two songs in like a week and a half, they've played them like 36 times. It's on like seven of their playlists. And then, yeah, we've played two sold out shows since we've been back in Manchester. We've got some exciting shows coming up in April, which will be announced soon. And now we're just, we're sending it out to labels, which we didn't do last time. And, and to PR people to, you know, try and get it heard because people are, my my girlfriend's dad uh, is Will Sargent, the guitarist from Echo and the Bunnymen. And oh, he famously, in her words, doesn't like anything. <laughs> I was like, can you can you send in the EP or like show it or have it on in the background, but just 
not specific. If he doesn't like it, you don't have to tell me. I, it'll break my heart too much because me and him really get on. Anyway, she she actually just sent it him when she was at mine, and I didn't know. And he rang me on a Saturday morning while she was lying in. I was just having a coffee. He's like, he's like, fucking hell, this is actually pretty good, lad. And, um, and he was like, yeah, we, you know, he said he wants to help out and that. So I, I could finally become the Nepo baby. I've always. <laughs> Nepo my bunny, man. There you go. <laughs> How have I not thought of that? <laughs> that phone call a week and a half ago. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, so it's going well. It's this time it seems to like really be going well. And yeah, like you said, back in the room, I I love that song. Like yeah. that was one of them where I I wrote, I just wrote all the parts. Like I wrote all the guitar parts and the lyrics and everything in about ten minutes, which doesn't always happen. But you know, you got to take them when you, yeah. when they come to you. We we were talking before you came on. I think it's you know it captures you from the start, but then I think the chorus like really switches it up. And it's just, yeah, it's, it was a nice surprise to me as well. And I just, um, yeah. Thank you, lads. It means a lot. It means yeah. a lot. Um, I want to hear more. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Um, Thank you, bro. Nice. Ch- church party and cricket. And I was like, oh, I don't know if this, this is going to be for me, this. But... <laughs> <laughs> so it's like a Sunday afternoon in the night of 30s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, lads. So that means a lot, too. Uh, well... It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having for having us on. Thank you for coming on. Um, you boys, it yeah, was, uh, it's been a joy. Um, it, it's an honour to be the first guest as well, and I I love the concept. And yeah, you're you're both you're both lovely lads and very funny. So thank you. Oh, bless you. Um, quickly, if you had one one way to sell cricket to someone new, what what should Adam do? The hundred. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Um, one way to sell cricket. Okay. Um, God, this is what I've not looked at any of my answers so far, but did I write it? Okay. Um, let's just say, okay, the one way to sell it would be spend. I, I don't drink anymore, but that's because I love drinking too much. So I'm, I have nothing against drinkers or drinking. If you like a beer, if you like a nice, slow, a slow sort of steady drunkenness where, and just the nicest, friendliest atmosphere, uh, just go to a day at the test or like I said before, a Friday night, uh, a, a T20 match. It doesn't even have to be an England match. You could go for like a tenner to county cricket, usually pretty full. Um, and just go live. I think going live is, and seeing, well, not even seeing, when a ball's bowled at 90 miles per hour, and then you realize, fucking, like they're throwing a rock at each other, basically. They're, they're bouncing a rock at each other's heads. And I always say this to people it is actually a much more physical sport than like football and maybe not rugby, but it's terrifying. It's t- I've been hitting the head mm. with a cricket ball. It is one of the scariest things when someone, when there's some six foot five lad running up to you off 30 yards and he bounces you, like there's nothing scarier. There's no slide tackle that's sort of worse than that. So, yeah, just go and see a ball, a ball being bowled at 90 miles per hour. Have a few beers. Um, go with your mates. And whether you're into it or not, like, that's the best way to find out. And, and maybe if you don't enjoy that, then I don't want to say this on the first episode, but may, maybe there's no hope for you then. There's no hope. Yeah, that's the end of it. Well, it's good to know that the, the concept 
still has legs. We've still got some work to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't enjoy it too much straight away. I mean, if, if I go next week, then we're out, aren't we? I've, I've, had a, I've had a lovely day out and ruined a podcast. So, <laughs> um, but I think that that answer will take some beating because yeah, there was there was a lot of a lot of sense there. Um, steady steady day drinking is is it is a is a thing. Best. It's the best so, time. Drinking. Yeah. If if I could if I could go back to like one day of drinking, it wouldn't be some mad night out. Like, and I I I don't want to drink. You know, I'm not. If yeah, my mom yeah, and dad yeah. listen, which they probably are, they listen to everything I do. Bless them. Um, <laughs> this isn't to say I want to drink again, but if I to, were to have a swan song with drinking, it would be at the cricket and just like a nice slow six or seven pints throughout the day. Perfect with the sun shining. Wow. Chef's kiss. Can I have one last question just to derail things a little? Go if, for if, it. if you were at the cricket for a day out, what, what would be your tipple of choice? No. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, is it is it a non-alcoholic beer? Is it a... Oh, yeah, no, drink? yeah. Yeah, so, uh, well, Lancashire, I'm, I'm a member of Lancashire. I go to, like, as many games as I can. Um, la- but last summer, to be fair... I was in the, I was in, I was working quite a lot of it last summer. So I was in the press box quite a lot. However, on the trips I went to, I went to Edgbaston, Headingley, um, can't remember where else I went to last summer. Uh, oh, the Oval. There is actually now some, as opposed to even the year before, and this is kind of the way it's going with all non-alcoholic beer. The year before there was like, I can't remember anything. Like, I don't think they even had options and I can't remember Lancashire having options, but apparently they have Heineken Zero now. But if you go to Headingley, if anyone's based in Yorkshire, excuse me, they have like a really, really good selection of non-alcoholic beers. They have uh, the Brooklyn one, San Miguel. um, And the Brooklyn one is, I went with a mate last summer and I, I gave it him as if it was his beer. And he had a sip mm-hmm. and he was like, that is a really good lager that. And I was like, it's mine. That's the non-alcoholic one. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those ones that actually... Yeah, it's an aftermath. Beer. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to get a sponsor. That's all, <laughs> the only reason I have. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I do appreciate a non-alcoholic beer review because um, it's, it's good to have the option. I, I do enjoy that Brooklyn one. The, yeah, the Brooklyn one and um, the other one uh, that I always recommend. That when I first got sober, I heard uh, my girlfriend showed me a podcast of Lee Mack talking about uh, why he stopped drinking, and he wasn't an alcoholic or anything. It was just basically like you know he'd had enough of it, and he said the best thing about drinking is that first pint, the first twenty minutes. So if you can replace that with a non-alcoholic one you get that out of the way and you still get that same buzz, you know, then you're laughing. But the beer he said to do it with was Lucky Saint. Mm. Lucky Saint is, oh, really yeah. good. Really you get good. it on draft as well, can't you? So, yeah, you, you can exactly, yeah. That's the other one, yeah. At Edgbaston, go to Edgbaston. They do Lucky Saint on draft, which is fantastic. Okay, sold. <laughs> His name <laughs> <beat>. <laughs> But if I were you, I'd just have a proper beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Tori, thank you. Thank um, you, boys. Yeah, it's been a, what a dream start, eh? <laughs> I love that. It was great. Tommy is an absolute gem. 
I was going to say he's a diamond. I was going to say he's a diamond. He's some sort of precious stone. He, and speaking of stone, he rocks. His music's great as well. What a truly, truly lovely person. And he he nearly twisted my arm at the end there. It was um, it was mere seconds ago that we spoke with him um, by the magic of uh, podcast editing. But he was he was very persuasive with that last argument about um, about the social aspect of the game. And I think meeting people like him it's 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 a good gateway into it isn't it tom uh, <laughs> i think absolutely i think um i think i think he was a good place to start because he, i think you would be friends with him in real life if if you'd met before uh, you get on like a little house on fire you two um and i think he's a really good place to start for that reason but i'm glad he didn't twist around completely because i would like to do more of this podcast and I would like to talk to some different people. Absolutely, yeah. We we don't want the format to 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 die on the first episode. Um, so yeah, I will I will keep you and the public uh, awaiting with expectation the, the date that I do finally decide to turn to uh, the cricket inside. But yeah, for now I'm I'm still on the fence. But I was I was certainly toying with the idea towards the end there because uh, yeah, a real a real nice guy. A pleasure to meet him. Yeah, absolute joy. Um, so yeah, let's 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 do this again. We'll do another podcast, and we'll talk to someone different, and we'll see see how we get on. And maybe, just maybe, we will record the intro and outro on the same day, like people who actually know what they're doing. Um, but until then, please do head over to Twitter at uh, at Why Cricket Pod. I believe is the place to find us. Um, we're posting clips up on there as well as lots of, lots of nonsense. And um, until next time. Toodaloo. In a bit. <laughs>